Amen. As you're being seated, if you'll open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Today we finish up our series that we've worked through the book of Philippians called Look Up. And one of the things we've been doing in this series is having people uh, submit pictures that inspire you to look up. And so here is our final look up picture. Uh, You can see, I think this was taken at Sky Ranch. And that is called the jump of faith. And so uh, if you're standing at the bottom, it inspires you to look up. And if you're standing at the top, it inspires you not to look down Uh, right there. But that was submitted by Carol Huck. I think we are going to be uh, sharing some of the other look up pictures that have come our way over these last few weeks. You guys are some pretty good photographers. We've been amazed at some of the different pictures that people have have taken. Uh, Let me ask you this question as we begin today. When it comes to your one and only life, do you want to be a consumer or do you want to be an investor? Do you just want to consume life or do you want to invest in others? Invest your lives in ways that make a difference. Now, to be fair, at some level, all of us are consumers. There's certain basic needs that we just have that we have to take in, like food, water, shelter. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a a football game. I think the Baylor fans are happy today. Uh, There's nothing wrong with enjoying a football game or going on a nice vacation and taking in a vacation. There's nothing wrong with one of those holiday coffees that you get from Starbucks, where they call them pumpkin spice with a twist of, anyway, man card moment with lash, okay? <laughs> Men, if you have to add more than two things to your coffee, that's, you lost your man card right there, okay? You know, I mean, really men should drink their coffee black, but if you have to add something, you're allowed one additive, okay? Uh, otherwise, never mind. Uh, but, gee, <laughs> so, so there's, there's, there's certain things in life that we do just consume. And, and Jesus said, your heavenly Father knows that you need them, and He understands that there are certain things in life that, that you have to take in. But here's my guess. My guess is that you want your life to make an impact. You want your life to help other people. You want to leave a legacy that goes beyond just you. You, you want people that you love to be impacted by your life. And if you look back over your journey so far, you can see that there have been people that intentionally invested in you, that you didn't get to where you are today by accident. And so let me have you examine this question. What type of character qualities did those people that invested in you, what type of character qualities did they demonstrate? In fact, let's just take a few moments here, talk to the person sitting next to you, uh, identify some of those character qualities that people who have invested in you uh, shared with you, okay? Ready? Go. Find somebody sitting around you, just share with them some of those qualities.
Okay, here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 15. He said, And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. In verse 15, Paul is in a reflective mode. And he's remembering the early days of his missionary life. There, whenever he was just beginning to go out and preach the gospel among the Gentile people. And so he's reflecting back, kind of like us cowboy fans do. Whenever we reflect back to the 90s, whenever we won our last Super Bowl, or some of you go way back beyond that to the Landry years, and you reflect back and you think of the good old days, how great it used to be. I know they're 4-1 right now, so maybe this will be our year. But he remembers how the church in Philippi made a conscious choice to be an investor in his ministry. He says, you know, all the way back in Thessalonica, your church loved me, and your church helped me several times. Now Paul is an older man. He's in Rome. He's in jail. And once again, the church there in Philippi hears about his situation, and so they, they load up this man Epaphroditus, and they send this major love offering to Paul. And Paul once again says, you guys remembered me. You made a, a conscious choice as a church to be an investor and not just a consumer. Are we as a church an investing church or are we a consuming church? Let's take a trip this morning to the First Baptist Church of Consumerville. Whenever you walk into the First Baptist Church of Consumerville, the first thing that you notice is that it seems just a little bit cold. Nobody really knows your name. In fact, you could go there week after week and nobody will really know your name. You're kind of just one of the masses. Whenever the music begins, the music is something made to be consumed. It feels kind of like a concert, and of course the musicians are very good and the, and the music sounds good, but instead of something that you participate in, which is what biblical worship encourages music to be, it's more something that you just consume. Whenever you get to the sermon, it's encouraging. It makes you feel good. But one of the things that you notice is that they don't really use a lot of Scripture, and though you leave having, uh, you leave feeling better, you don't really get challenged that much. Now, at First Baptist Church of Consumerville, they offer a lot of programs. There's always a lot going on. There's a lot of stuff for the family. Everything's pretty well done. But rarely do they ever talk about 
the community. Rarely do they talk about praying for people that live around them and trying to help people uh, at their point of need and the fact that everybody in the church is to be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. In fact, sometimes the enemy is, or the community is almost seen as the enemy. Financially, FBC Consumerville does very well. Their, their offerings are about $2 million a year, but whenever you look at their reports, they only give about $20,000 a year for the cause of missions. In the end, everyone leaves happy, but sadly, still the same. Now, don't get me wrong. First of all, FBC Consumerville is just a hypothetical church. One of the things I practice is I do not criticize our fellow churches. But it's not that FBC Consumerville is a bad place. It's not that it's full of bad people. It's just that instead of investing in the kingdom of God, they've settled for investing in themselves. And it's very easy for a church to fall into that trap where instead of seeing our church as a movement that is to go into our homes and our neighborhoods and to ultimately go throughout the world, we kind of see our church just as an organization. And it's about fueling the organization. But an investing church understands that God is the giver of all things. And because God is the giver of all things, He has promised to supply His children's needs. He is the source of all the gifts. An investing church does not hoard the blessings of God, but understands that God blesses us so that we in turn can be a blessing to others. So in our lives, when love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, when the fruit of the Spirit flows into our lives, instead of being our life, our lives being a wall where those gifts hit and explode like a water balloon, our lives become a conduit so that whenever God blesses us, we in turn see that as an opportunity to be a blessing to other people. An investing church sees the world as a mission field and understands that God is at work around the world and and we want to be a part of what God is doing. An investing church sees ourselves as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And so the church is not just something that we attend on Sunday, but an investing church understands that we are one church with 500 locations. Everywhere you go, that's where the church is going. And everywhere you go, you have an opportunity to minister to somebody, to be a missionary, to meet them at their point of need. An investing church is made up of people like you who see yourselves as an investor in the kingdom of God. So here's the question. Are you a consumer or are you an investor? And I want to share with you three great truths about being an investor rather than a consumer. And all three of these truths come from the passage that we read earlier. The first is this. Whenever you invest in the kingdom of God, it is credited to your account by God. Now, understand that we're not talking about salvation by works. We're not saying that 
whenever you do uh, good things for God, that God says, okay, I'm putting a check mark in your corner, and then whenever you get to heaven, if your good outweighs your bad, then you get in because you're a good person. Uh, Scripture teaches time and time again that eternal life is given to us whenever through faith we believe in Jesus Christ and who He is and what He did for us, something that we could never do on our own. But the passage does say in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. So Paul is using an accounting term here. And he says, whenever you give, whenever you give of your time, your talents, your money, whenever you give to the kingdom of God, it's like making a deposit into the bank. God notices it. He acknowledges it. He rewards it. I I am amazed at all the, the work that people do around here at this church to make Murphy Road one of the greatest places on earth. I mean, this is, this is the greatest church that I know. I, I don't tell you guys often enough that I truly love you and love being here. There's no place else on planet earth that I would rather be this morning than right here with you. And I'm always amazed at all the work that goes into helping the mission go forward here. You know, little things. Last Wednesday night, we had a change of plans with the pumpkin truck. And so volunteers rallied around together. A lot of the teenagers got involved in this, and they, they moved all the pumpkins from one spot to the other uh, so that the, the, the next delivery would be ready to go. Just a little thing. But it's people volunteering. It's people investing. It's people giving of their time, their energies, in order to help the mission of God go forward. I think of Samson. Uh, Samson's one of our missionaries around here. Samson and his wife, Joy, getting ready to go to India. They work through the ministries of our church, and they're going to be planting, uh, hoping to plant a new church there in India, leaving, leading a Bible conference there in India. And I think about the sacrifice, and a lot of times uh, people don't know all that he does so that the gospel can go forward, but he's an investor. He's doing something to make a difference around the world. I think of Jim Thomas. Uh, if you don't know Jim, he, he comes around here and he has a little scooter. Uh, and, and Jim is one of the unsung heroes at Murphy Road. Jim is the one who helps us uh, get involved with senior communities. And over the years, we have led worship and Bible study at Founders Plaza, at Winters Park, at Orchard Park. Uh, this week, we had a door open to it for us uh, at, a, at a senior community in Saxe. And, and these ministries go on week after week as, as we preach to people and love people that can't get out to go to church. Well, Jim's the one who, whenever he sees a new facility being built, he says, Pastor, I saw a new place. I'm going to stop by. And whenever he stops by, the next thing I know, we're leading a worship service at that place. He's just a quiet, unsung hero that invests in the kingdom of God. And there's all sorts of people around this church that are quietly investing in the kingdom of God. I thank God for the block team. The block is our preschool ministry. And every week, there are people who volunteer their time to watch the little kids. 
In fact, if those people didn't volunteer their time each week, uh, you would hear those little kids, and you would smell those little kids. I'm thankful for people that take the time to invest in children. Every week we pass the offering plates, and people faithfully give to the offering. I'm amazed at how God's people faithfully give, and they fill those plates and allow the ministries of the church to go forward. Some of you don't carry cash or checks anymore, but you give through online banking or you have signed up with the e-give that we have, and every week, every month, you're faithful to give. And whenever you do that, you are being an investor. You're investing in ministry. When you give your time, when you give your talents, whenever you give your dollars, whenever you take advantage of the experiences that you have so that the kingdom of God can advance, you are being an investor. And you realize that God has given to you so that you can take those blessings that He has given to you and invest them in things that really matter. It is a beautiful thing whenever you are an investor rather than merely being a consumer. And the Scriptures say God notices that and God credits it to your account. Even though sometimes those investments are done quietly where nobody else sees it, God notices it, and he credits it to your account. Secondly, whenever you are an investor, the Bible says that it's a sweet aroma to our God. Look at verse 18 there in the passage. The Scriptures say, But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Now, I think Paul is referring to the gift that they had sent to him. He said, everything that you sent, I have received it. I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided. And then he goes on to describe their gifts. He says, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. The gifts you gave, church, They were a fragrant offering. They were an acceptable sacrifice. They pleased God. Stacy and I used to live in the country, and we like Labrador retrievers. We've had a Labrador retriever or two or three in our house uh, throughout our marriage. And so our oldest Labrador retriever is named Addie. And back uh, in her day, Addie was quite rambunctious, and while we were living in the country, she got in a border dispute with a skunk. Now, you've never really lived until a 90-pound dog runs through your house after being sprayed by a skunk while the newborn baby tries to sleep. Now, this went on for weeks. Addie would go after the skunk, the skunk would spray the dog, and then the skunk would recharge, I guess, and then come back. And we would let Addie out at night, and we would hear this, and the next thing you know, there was an aroma flowing through the air. It gets in your nostrils. It gets in your clothes. The only good thing about the skunk odor 
was that everybody gave us plenty of space for several weeks. How many of you have ever smelled skunk odor up close? I mean, not in the field afar, but up close. It's a horrible thing, isn't it? Now, contrast that with the smell of fall yesterday morning. Did you open the door and go outside yesterday? The rain had fallen overnight. There was that beautiful smell of rain in the air. It was finally cool outside, and it wasn't 80 degrees at 7 o'clock in the morning. It just felt so good, and it smelled so good. It's like, ah, Paul, uh, fall, fall has finally arrived, and I guess Paul arrived too. Well, the Apostle Paul says to the Christ followers at Philippi, every time you open up your heart, every time you extend your hand, every time you give to the offering, every time you help somebody in need, every time you advance the purposes of God in this world, it is a sweet fragrance that drifts heavenward towards God. And our Heavenly Father smells it and says, what a wonderful aroma. I love the fragrance that comes my way when the children of God on earth are generous. And so Paul tells the Philippian believers, whenever you took this offering, whenever you provided for me, God inhaled two or three extra times. Investors are continually doing things that cause God to inhale deeply and say, oh, how sweet it is when my children invest in things that really matter. Thirdly, when we invest, God promises us to meet our needs. Now, verse 19 is one of those passages that you probably need to highlight. It's a good one to memorize. It's a good one to teach the kids The Bible says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory and Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now Paul understands that whenever you give things away for the sake of the kingdom, when you become a giving person instead of a hoarding person. When you start living life with a generosity, you get involved in ministry. You start giving part of yourself away. Often there is an uh-oh moment. Uh-oh. What did I just do? I just signed up to help with BBS. Am I crazy? I just, I just gave a tithe to the offering plate. Uh, uh uh-oh, how am I going to make it? Now, the uh uh-oh moment is also followed, often followed by the what-if moment. What if God leaves me high and dry? What if I get laid off? What if my car breaks down? What if the economy crashes again? What if the three-year-old's class that I just volunteered to help out in ties me up? And holds me hostage. What if? And the scriptures teach us that God understands how he wired you. He's the one that knit you together. 
He knows you better than you know yourself. And so when he makes a promise, when he tells us to be investors, he also promises us that he's going to supply our needs. And so sometimes we have to ask ourselves the question, am I going to focus on the what-ifs? Am I going to focus on all the challenges that I'm facing in life, or am I going to focus on the fact that the God who loves me, the God who has taken care of me every day of my life, the God who reigns in heaven has promised that He is not going to leave me high and dry. He's not going to leave me on the corner like an abandoned child. That God has promised me that He will supply my needs. Now, God may not provide you with every luxury known to man, but whenever we are giving, the Scriptures say God is giving. And the Scriptures teach that whenever God's children make that decision to be an investor, whenever a church says, you know what, we're not just going to hoard, we're not just going to think about ourselves, but we are going to invest in the cause of global missions. We're going to try to invest in our community. Whenever God's people get beyond themselves and invest, the Scriptures say God is faithful to supply all of our needs according to His riches in glory. Now imagine the scene when the Philippi church gets this letter. Back in that day and time, you didn't text, you didn't get an email, you sent a letter, somebody had to take it by horseback or, or by donkey to the location. So the letter comes back from the Apostle Paul. They had just demonstrated what it means to be an investing church. Some of them had probably given very sacrificially. They probably didn't have much. And then they received this letter from Paul. So they huddle around the fire. And the one person in the community who really knew how to read, he, he begins reading the letter. And Paul says to them, thank you. I've received your gift. I've received it in full. Thank you for sending Epaphroditus my way. And know this, it's going to be okay because the Heavenly Father saw your giving heart. He took note. He credited it to your account. The gift that you gave was a fragrant offering to Him, and the God in which you invested is going to be faithful to supply all your needs. Investors live in the faith world. The world in which we live in today is a very, very, very Let's try to be safe, world. Let's try to make the world as safe as we possibly can be and hang on to everything that we have, and, and it becomes almost obsessively safe, and rarely do we take the risk of faith. Jesus was the one who said everything is possible for the person who has faith. Faith is what makes life a great adventure. And far too often, we as believers never live in the faith world. We believe that God is all-powerful, but we never experience His power. We believe that God can supply all of our needs, but we hang on to our needs instead of turning them over to Him. We would rather worry than pray. We would rather consume than invest. And rather than living like people who have been forgiven and people who are going to live forever, who can truly say to live as Christ and to die is gain, 
Many of us are just as stressed and depressed as anybody else. And my challenge to you today is to be an investor. Use your life in a way that will impact other people. Use your life in a way that will make a difference in something that truly lasts. Something that outlives you. When I was a boy growing up at Victory Baptist Church, there was a little lady by the name of Miss Katie. Miss Katie was an elderly woman, and she came to me one time when I was about in the fourth grade, and she said, can I be your grandma? Now, I didn't really have grandmothers that were active in my life. My mom's mom died whenever she was just a toddler, and my dad's mother died whenever I was quite young, and I never really got to know her very well. And so when Miss Katie came to me and said, can I be your grandma? I was like, yeah, you can be my grandma. And so every week I'd come up to her as a little boy and give her a hug. And I'd sit in front of her in church. And whenever I fell asleep or misbehaved during the sermon, I know none of you all ever do that or your kids never do that. But whenever I did it, uh, she would jump on me. Now you stay awake during the sermon. You hear me, Lashley? Don't call me Lashley, by the way. She used to make the best chocolate cake. And whenever we'd have events like we're having here next week with the cook-off, Miss Katie would always make a chocolate cake. And everybody always ate Miss Katie's cake first. But she'd always save me a piece. So whenever I came through the line, all the cake was gone. But she'd say, hey, Lash, come back over here. She'd give me that piece of chocolate cake. Whenever I was a freshman in college, I went off to Bible college, and she came to me and she said, I'm going to give you $500. I said, Miss Katie, you can't do that. She said, I'm doing that for all my grandchildren, and I'm doing it for you. I said, well, yes, ma'am. Okay. And she made that investment. Today she's in heaven. But I look back over my life, and she was one of those. She didn't have to, but she was one of those godly people that took time to get beyond herself and make an investment in this crazy preacher's kid that was running up and down the halls of the church. And because she makes an investment, her investment continues to live on today. And my prayer for you today is that you will experience the wonderful joy that will come into your life when you start investing your life. Are you a consumer or are you an investor? Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we come to a time of commitment? Paul and the band are going to come, and they're going to lead us in in singing. encourage you to sing with them. I'll be here at the front if there's anything that I may pray with you about. If today needs to be the day that you believe in Jesus Christ, I'll be here. I'll be here after the service and be glad to help you with questions that you might have as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and as I pray, uh, if you will uh, pray quietly with me, and then we'll have our time of worship. Father, we thank you so much for this truth that we see in Scripture. And Lord, it is easy for us to get the focus entirely on ourselves. And Lord, we, we do understand that there are things in life that are meant to be enjoyed and consumed, and that we all have needs. And so, Father, we, we, uh, we thank you 
for the way in which you provide for us. But we also thank you, Lord, for the blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the talents, the gifts, the experiences. Thank you, Lord, for the financial blessings of life. And we pray, Father, that we will not be hoarders when it comes to the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord, not to be a church that is a Consumerville church. Help us, Lord, as a people to love our neighbor, to pray for our neighbors, to seek opportunity to make a difference in the world around us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, to continue supporting the cause of world missions, planting churches around the world, helping new preaching points be established here in our own area. Help us, Lord, to realize that we are not the center of the universe, that there is so much more. Help us, Lord, to realize your bigness and to take the risk of faith and experience what you're doing. I pray, Lord, that we might pour ourselves out and find the wonderful joy that comes from being a part of something that is bigger than us. Lord, I pray that you will raise up some Miss Katie's in this congregation that will invest in these children, that will invest in the lives of others, that will truly make a difference and help people as they go through this journey. And Lord, may our hearts delight in seeing things happen that only you can do. Thank you so much for this church. God, I thank you for being a part of it. I thank you for the love that they share with me. And I pray, Lord, that you might help me to love this church in return. Thank you, Father, for the joy that we share, the laughter that we share. Thank you, Father, for people that we can live life with. It's in Jesus' name we worship. Amen.